This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In an ongoing dialogue of social and sexual politics, author and artist Karen Finley has smeared herself with chocolate and honey, painted with her own breast milk, put Winnie the Pooh in S&M, and grappled with conservative Senator Jesse Helms. In Finley's new book, George and Martha, Bush and Martha Stewart meet in a seedy motel room on the night before the Republican National Convention. Their affair goes way back before George stole the election, before Martha built her domestic empire. Finley is the recipient of both an Obie Award and a Guggenheim and was chosen as Coagula Magazine's Artist of the Decade as the 1990s came to a close. She has performed and exhibited her artwork at cultural centers and universities worldwide and currently teaches art and public policy at Tisch School of Arts, New York University. Karen Finley, welcome to Weekly Signals. It's a pleasure. How are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing well. Oh, good, good, good. Thanks very much for being on. I was wondering, I, I noticed that the, the Nation magazine, the oldest uh, left-wing magazine in the country, canceled its story. Uh, it was going to run an interview with you on this book, uh, and there was, I, I think there was something about anal sex uh, that they used as an excuse to not print it. Am I correct in this? Uh, it's, it, yes, that is something like that did happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I think that... Uh, I'm an artist or an author that people project their fears and anxieties onto me. And the funniest part of it is is what the interviewer was imagining in the book is not in the book. Yes, I, as far as yeah, I was I was searching hard for the anal sex when I read it. And I, 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 I guess I, everyone is you know <laughs> hoping. Uh, I mean, I do like to think that in this book, everything you wanted to see in Brokeback Mountain is happening in this book between our presidents and Martha Stewart. Yes. So you know, uh, you know, God bless you know, God bless the world. But uh, yeah. um, I, what happened simply is a freelance journalist was given the assignment and she decided not to do it because you know, whatever her whatever her reasons or projections onto it and uh we we thought that was you know interesting and then subsequently there was uh an interview <clears throat> or there was with me yeah. no I mean, but I, I think what it happens is that in the you know in the left and in the right there can be um, you know in, in tr- projections that happen on on onto culture and to artists and to writers. Well, the book is a sort of it's a psychosexual um, look into George and Martha. And was were we getting a psychosexual look into this um, to this writer? I mean, I don't know if that was. A component of what well, I don't know about the, oh, you mean the, uh, this writer, you mean this writer, Karen Finley, or the yeah. writer, the journalist? The, the journalist, actually. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm sorry. Both of them, both of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, the journalist who made this it's, decision to, to, to not mo- mo- go, go forward with the article. Yeah, well, what, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I think that in, um, I, I guess somehow I was just going to bring up some relationship to the book to 24 and American Idol, uh-huh. but I'll leave that. 
uh, to the audience. Um, Well, I would like to explore. uh, No, the book, I think, kind of goes beyond um, just a psychosexual um, story between the president and Martha Stewart, George Bush and Martha Stewart. It also is giving um, a look into why you know why we have chosen uh like Martha Stewart to put her on a pedestal and why we're kind of live, living through her her celebrity and i think the same reason for George Bush i mean why do we have this person um you know such an idiot that we're living through him what yeah. is it and yeah. i i kind of i do go f- through um, his reasons or his personal reasons and failings for being so determined with the war and with Saddam Hussein. And so it is, you know, it is a parody. I think it's important for America, especially after 9-11 with the Patriot Act, that we still stay determined in keeping freedom of speech and that we rebel and speak out. And so I think that this is a, a testament to, you know, the First Amendment. We're speaking with Karen Finley, the author of Georgia Martha, and and you mentioned uh, Saddam Hussein. Uh, what what kind of relationship do you think is going on there? I know you spoke about that with uh, with uh, George Bush Senior and mm-hmm. Saddam, and just the relationship there. Was there some transference going on? Do you think? Uh, definitely. I think. Well, I mean, I think everyone knows psychology one hundred and one. Uh, anyone who's uh, first year at Irvine, or just even uh, if you're 10 years old, when, um, is that George Bush, when he's constantly saying uh, the evildoer, the evildoer, man with the weapons of mass destruction, mm-hmm. well, he's projecting. That is him. It's like Saddam Hussein mm-hmm. is George Bush. It's projections of himself. He's mm-hmm. the evildoer. He's the man of the weapons of mass destruction. And then going a little bit further, um, I think that George Bush uh, the reason why he attacked Saddam Hussein so much is that I think George' uh, feelings actually is that he has Oedipal feelings um, and even rage against his own father for his own Oedipal reasons, mm-hmm. and so he disguises that with Saddam Hussein's uh, earlier uh, commitment to uh, assassinating George Senior. Mm-hmm. And so he disguises that by taking it out on on Saddam. You know, he's like yeah. disguising his own uh, his own wish. Yeah. And I mean, we are living in. It's so horrific the times we're living in. It's it is Shakespearean. It is Greek oh. tragedy. And so that's what I'm trying to get America to be looking at. Um, is 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 this dynasty that we're that we're living in? Uh, Nathan and I were talking about this prior to to coming on the air, and it's it's we're playing out the the Jim Morrison song "The End" here with the uh, <laughs> it's, it's sort of this. Yeah. It, it, and I want to ask you a question about George and he, and the the fascination or the popularity that he's enjoyed with the American people. Do you, do you think that it has something to do with him not being a very complex person, and that Americans? I'm going to tie the two things together. He's sort of an uncomplex person, non-complex. And the, and the other thing is he is a uh, – this country is deeply anti-intellectual. And it's a strain of anti-intellectualism that goes way back. And do you think that he's been able to sort of I think that's a disguise. I mean, he went to Yale, okay? He, yeah. he, um, he, he pretends or plays out the stupid baby. To what yeah. purpose? 
the what purpose is so that he kind of stays irresponsible and stays kind of like closer to his mother, stays in that kind of mm. soma state. Mm -hmm. And but actually, even anyone like look at you know twenty four last night. I mean, I think he is knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's or he's complicit with the people around him in his. In, in his, his smartness with his stupidity. But yeah. we live through George because George's relationship to us is George Jr.'s relationship to his father. Mm. His father was smarter, kind of like, uh, was chiseled, better, kind of better looking, more of, of a certain character, more refined, and his son is never good enough. Mm. And I think America lives through that dynamic of how all of us, whether you're male or female, feel that you have to live up to the father. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're living through. I think we have to understand why, why are people attracted to, uh, to him? Why are people secretly voting for him? I know people are saying that you know, the election was stolen, but still there is a relationship going on uh, with him uh, as a national narrative. And the national narrative is he's the one that wasn't supposed to make it. He looks just like his his father, and his 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 insistence in in, in trying to prove his worth uh, and value. Yeah, my understanding is even within the family, the the there was uh, um, he, he was never thought to be the one who would be president to follow in his father's footsteps. Um, Neil was, and Jeb, and Jeb anyone, yeah. I th I think anyone. Yeah. I mean, I think probably the father, looking at him because he looks so much like the father, um, that there's a, a rage. I mean, there's some narcissism. There's something that goes on in that. I mean, it, it, he is a clone. Um, I mean, of course, I think the reason why George Bush is against cloning is because he's actually like a clone of his father. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's the best example to be against cell research. And in, 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 it's an early uh, CIA uh, experiment that went yeah. terribly wrong. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you mentioned his uh, jealousy of Clinton in this book, too. Well, and, I mean, because I, Martha... Martha is a better Hillary Clinton than Hillary. Mm -hmm. And part of their sexual kinky is that she does diaper him. She does. He is. They play, you know, baby. She is. She's the mommy. But also he is very, very jealous of Bill Clinton. Yeah. And he always fantasizes with Martha Stewart being with Bill. And yeah. that's part of their kinky, too. That's got a... Bother it sometimes real, it works. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> you know, sometimes it works. You know, you got to, you know what? I mean, what What are you going to say? He's married to a librarian. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah he is. Oh, I know. Exactly. Now, I mean, you've, you know, we've all got to make it work sometimes. So if it takes a few stuffed animals and a tube of toothpaste, then, you know. Um, oh, no. You know, mommy, I'm a ball buster. I mean, you know, God bless you. Uh, that's got to drive him crazy to see his father with Bill Clinton. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, every time, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind when I see that. I, it's, it's, uh, there's got to be a lot of tension there. Well, Barbara is the, Barbara is the real father of the family. The, the George Barbara Washington. Barbara Bush looks yeah. like, she's the George Washington of As the family. Yeah. And so in my book, I have it that he actually identifies with his mother. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, which all men do for the first early part of their life, but he just never makes a successful there, um, we change, had, we, we had, transference. We had, we had Joe Wilson on, on the program some time ago, and he, we were talking about, because Joe Wilson continues to have a good relationship with George Sr. because he, when he served in his administration. And he inferred that there is a lot more tension between uh, George, uh, George Jr. and George Sr., well, uh, it's and, pretty obvious, I would yeah, think, and, yeah. and this book brings it out yeah, quite yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is tension beforehand and there's tension now. Yeah. And, I mean, I think George, George Sr. is pro- more than any of us knows the uh, capabilities of the son and how he's destroying the country, yeah. the economy, the yeah. war. Yeah. I mean, you keep on going... You know, on and on. Whether, you know, joking aside, I think um, you know there is a seriousness and there is a tension. Whether there's a personal tension and then there's also the, a dynamic tension. And I mean, in, in some ways, the cruelty too is is George Senior gets along better with Clinton than with mm-hmm. his own son. Yeah, yeah. We're and, speaking with uh, with Karen Finley, the author of George and Martha. And were you going to say something? No, all I was going to say was exactly what, just to reiterate what you said, which is, unfortunately, this, 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 uh, these dynamics are playing out, and, and the consequences of them are are horrific for the world, not Correct. just for the United States. Yeah. Well, you want to focus on a little bit on Martha here? Yeah, we, that's exactly yeah. where I was going. I, you wrote it in in Martha Stewart's voice. Uh, what was that like? Did you did you have to do some stretching there, or what was the what was the inspiration? I. Well, I, hope, I like to think that um, there was some stretch um, yeah. <laughs> for myself. Um, but, I mean, I think one of my favorite lines about with Martha is, you know, Martha wants to redesign the Middle East. Yes. <laughs> and she wants to redo that. And that's, she feels, you know, everyone has a kitchen. She wants to get the utensils. <laughs> and, they, and George and her actually are planning that they need, that the uh, the Muslim world needs a mouse, like There's... Mickey Mouse, and they're going to call it's going to be called a Muslim. Oh, and yeah, they are going like to redesign, that. you know, get the kitchens and redo yeah. and look at that. So they do have, they do meet in that in in capitalism, but Martha, I think she is not psychotic. She is merely neurotic, and so she is not destructive as George Bush. She doesn't have the power of, of George, but she's she's uh, wants to suffer because I think her, her situation is that she is just the best mother in the world and that she wants to take her mother's place mm-hmm. and be a better mother. And I think that Martha, how she represents is it's, it's a position of comfort and crisis at our time of war in great tragedy that our home values, our relationship to our home has skyrocketed mm-hmm. because we are at war and so we have such a relationship with our home and wanting to live through it and our hyper-domesticity is just because of our, our, our fear of war and the fear of the outside and others. Mm-hmm. So that's what she's tapped into in America. Is that, is that yeah. what you're saying? Well, I don't think that it has to be that she's tapped into it, but that why have we selected her to be the person yeah. that we are is our you know is another national narrative and there's many women that could have been um selected mm-hmm. um you know paris hilton could be going to jail but she isn't we have martha mm-hmm. so 
in some ways I think that Martha's need to be the best mother in the world, in some ways taking like our own mother's place, that there, there, we do feel that we should be punished for that. And, and Martha's story mirrors uh, uh, so much of what we have come to recognize in America, the sort of three-part play that she is, the first part, the rise, the second, the fall, and now the redemption. And I, yeah. and and, um, and so she does fit very well into the American psyche because we look for the, these. Those are the kind of stories we we seem to gravitate towards. I think that is that's a, a, a beautiful way of, of putting it. In that, I think we we do need to have the redemption. We do need to have the falling in order to find the grace, at least in terms of America's uh, need for redemption. That's very well put. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me, did you ever go to Kmart and buy any of Martha Stewart's accessories, oh, yeah. any towels or anything like that? For, for, did you did you stay Party away from that? Are you, are you speaking to me or are you talking to yourself? Well, I, <laughs> the, the, I, okay, uh, I admit it. Uh, that I, was all about me. I, I love the doilies. I love those doilies. I know that. Um, I know that Kmart can't be a rack, but that doesn't mean a rack can't be Kmart. That's a good one. I like, yes. so you're going to be in uh, Los Angeles at the end of this month. Yes, I am. At the uh, L.A. Times Festival of Books. Correct. On the 29th. Are you yes. going to be reading from the book there? Or are you, uh, I, I, I'm sure I'll be doing something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at the Hammy Museum, the, yes. the fall on Sunday the 30th. And I'll be reading for my book there, definitely. Uh, okay, well, good. And are you planning on staging uh, the, the play uh, any, any... In Los Angeles? Yeah, anywhere out here? If they... Um, I'd love to do it at uh, the Kodak Theater. It would uh, be great. Yeah, oh, that would... Or you know what? If ever they start doing American Idol for performance artists, <laughs> I'm on. <laughs> you see, you... you want, I'm looking forward to know, that. That would be well, wonderful. What, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. What, um, well, um, why haven't they thought of that? Yeah, right? yeah. What, what do you? Yeah, this American Idol uh, phenomena. I don't, I don't know if you want to get into that at all. But I just, uh, what is What's it? Well, I think it's the way that we should be voting for presidents yeah. now. I think that's the way that we should start doing it. Well, I think we should start. I think that we should have Simon and Paula <laughs> and Randy going around the country <laughs> and just going into Marriotts or whatever, you know, or maybe just going, you know, to Holiday Inns or just, you know, setting up on the road and have people come up and they've got a couple of minutes where they tell their speech yeah. and they're either they're in or out and that's where we start. And well, that's how we find our president. Well, there's two things. One, there's either a that or that's maybe what they need to do in Iraq. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe in Iraq, it'd be more you know, idle. Well, they 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 actually there's a new film out called American Dreams, which is that same idea. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah it's, it's just coming out with Randy Quaid and somebody else. Uh, but also, there was an attempt to do a reality based uh, one, uh, one point on yeah. political candidates, and I don't know. It kind of came and went very quickly. But um, what's what's the state of uh, the the NEA and and art funding in the country today? Well, not very good. Yeah. Um, I think that the the state of funding for the arts is that the arts at first was, you know, the culture wars, and I think what's horrible is that the amount of time and energy that the administration took on looking at the artist as the enemy, yeah. that energy should have been spent in terms of, of, of looking at uh, terrorists and looking at um at American foreign policy, yeah. instead of the amount of money 
manpower energy and uh, paper trail that was spent on just looking at the arts. That was, it, was, it was just horrible. And was, I think that yeah. one of the, the waste of times, and I think that this one of the reasons why we're in the state where we are. Mm. You know, I mean, I think it was ridiculous that Bush Sr. was having a power breakfast about me, that my work was being on the Senate floor. I mean, they shouldn't have been mm. spending time about about artworks in mm. that kind of a situation. It just, it just goes... It just goes so much to the heart of, of uh, our priorities in this country that we'd rather continue to fight the the, the cultural wars of the 60s than we would to confront our own our own shortcomings and failings. So. I mean, I think that's what upsets me the most about it is where I see where we are now and the amount of time that, you know, I spent 10 years and on, on the case. And I think that the... Ten years of all the people, all the attorneys that were doing that, they could have been spending time on, on other, uh, I think, in some ways, more important issues. Well, let, uh, tell our, our listeners what happened at the end of, of your travails. With, well, we lost the case, and I, um, the case quickly was that, uh, that the government had put language when giving giving federal support mm -hmm. to the arts. The language was that there could be certain standards of decency given before giving money or giving support. Mm -hmm. And we felt that using the language standards of decency was vague. Yeah. And now, so we lost, but though that precedent of using the language standards of decency before giving federal support has had an impact on other laws, such as Roe v. Wade, yeah. now in South Dakota, uh, stem cell research. It, it has a larger impact that wasn't just about individual artists. And we knew that when we were, that that was one reason I saw the impact of that language. And I'm... I'm sad that we did lose, but the, so the Supreme Court hasn't always made the right decisions through the years. Right. Well, the, well, they, these things tend to ebb and flow, and I hope that we're someday going to be back in a in a in a flow situation. But we seem to be in in retreat. Um, Karen Finley, I want to thank you for being on Weekly Signals once again. You will be out here um, in on the twenty twenty ninth at the uh, LA Festival of Books, the thirtieth at the Hammer Museum. Yes, so yes. we've been speaking with Karen Finley. The book is uh, George and Martha. Thank you for being on Weekly Signals. I really enjoyed speaking with you. It was it was fun. It was insightful, and I appreciate your your work. Well, and, come visit uh, us. Uh, good luck. Thank right. you. Thank good luck you. To you. All right. Okay. You, bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.